Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for your, your goodness and your grace. You're so amazing. And Father, we're just so thankful that, Lord, we're able to come and, and to freely worship you. And thank you, Lord, for the time of worship. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to gather together as a body and to encourage one another and to pray for one another. And, and Lord, just to, to interlock shields with one another, Lord, and, and to open your word and hear you speak to our hearts, Father. We're so thankful, Lord. Bless those who cannot be here. Bless those who are listening on live stream right now, Lord, and bless those coming to the second service, Father. We, we love you. We praise you. I decrease that you would increase. I am to myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you, not of me, for we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 23, Proverbs chapter 23. We're now in part 24 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Say, Wisdom That Works. We're we're getting close to the end of the series, right? Okay. And uh, it's been wonderful. And I thank God for just the wisdom that we have gained through this series and through this, this book, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 23. And before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text. And that's chapter 22. Uh, I gave you three points. You might remember the points. The first point was a good name. Say that. A good name. In Solomon, that's in verse 1, and Solomon says a good name, a good reputation, good characters to be valued, to be pursued, to be chosen over the desire of having great wealth. The second point was general guidance. Say that, general guidance. And that's verse 2 through 16 of chapter 22. And basically God made all of us And whether we're rich or whether we're poor, we share the same creator. And then Solomon says the wise person recognizes sin and stays away from it. Then he writes, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. That's a good thing, right? Then he says, train your child, a child, the way he should go. When he's old, he will not turn or depart from it. Then he says, the evil that the wicked do will ultimately return to them. That's been a reoccurring theme in the book of Proverbs. And then Solomon says, don't fellowship with the person who has a critical, negative spirit. Then he says, godly, biblical, loving discipline shapes a person's character. The third point was good advice. Say that. Good advice. That's verses 17 through 29. And um, it's important, he's saying, Solomon's saying it's important to not just hear God's word, but to obey it. To obey it. And he says, don't hang around angry people or you will become just like them. He also says, be careful about co-signing alone on a loan. And he says, we, we are to never cheat or compromise in any business dealings. And then he says, skill results, say skill, skill results in advancement and recognition. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message today is the do not warning. Say that. The do not warnings. Now say it with enthusiasm. The do not warnings. Much better. Eight points from the text. I know that's a lot of points, but we're going to get through it, okay? Got it? Okay, point number one, if you already say yes. Point number one is do not be deceived. Say that. Do not be deceived. Let's look at verses one through three. And Solomon writes, when you sit to dine with the ruler, note well, note well what is before you. Now, what he's saying there, don't be overwhelmed and seduced by, by the atmosphere and, 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 and of power and of luxury. That's what he's saying there. Verse 2, and put a knife to your throat. That means to curb your appetite, to control yourself, to bite your tongue. So put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Did you get that? Verse 3, do not crave his 
delicacies, for that food is deceptive. So this proverb means that it's possible for a king or an important influential person to get you hooked on their lifestyle of living and use that to manipulate you, to bribe you, and to deceive you and cause you to do certain things. And Solomon's saying don't be deceived by his delicious food because there might be a price attached to his whining and dining you. And he wants this, this king or this influential person wants something from you. So, so Solomon's saying be very, very careful, be discerning not only what but whom you're dining with. Got it? David Guzit said this, the, the ruler's table may be your ruin. You may be so seduced by the atmosphere of power and luxury that you surrender what you should not be surrendered. You promise what you should not be promised. And in, and in effect, you worship and serve what should not be worshipped and served. The point is this, just like the dinner host, the king, or this influential person of this proverb, the devil often tempts us with what appears to be highly desirable. And when he does, he deceives us, and then we take the bait. Right? And he, he springs a trap, and we fall right into sin, which is exactly what he did to Adam and Eve. Got it? In fact, Eve was deceived. Adam was disobedient. So don't be deceived that this king or this influential person might deceive you to do something that you shouldn't be doing. Got it? Verses 4 and 5, and these verses are the warning or a warning against the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of riches. Let's read that. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint, verse 5. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. Isn't that true? Okay. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. That saying, money talks, you ever hear that saying, money talks? Well, that's true, right? It says goodbye. It says see ya. See you later, right? It flies away. In fact, if you have a dollar bill, and you look at the dollar bill, in the back of the dollar bill, there's a, an eagle okay, on it spreading his wings out, ready to fly away. So, so that saying is so true, isn't it, friends? So you ready for the lesson? Here's a lesson. Don't worship wealth. Don't worship wealth. And we're here in the Silicon Valley, aren't we? Right? Don't worship wealth. Now, now though working hard is a mark of wisdom, we know that, to work hard, right? Solomon says work hard, and though working hard is a mark of wisdom, we don't live for riches that may come from that work. We don't live for it. Okay, we need to avoid overworking to be rich. Now, now listen, Psalm is not saying that it's wrong to have an entrepreneurial spirit or, or a drive for success. He's not talking about working hard. He's talking about overworking for the purpose of amassing money, amassing wealth, okay, about making money and making wealth an idol in your life. And he's simply saying keep your priorities, listen now, in proper alignment. Now, if you're safe, say amen. Okay, we need to seek first the kingdom of, kingdom of who? Of God. The kingdom of God and learn to be content with what you and I have. Now, sadly, I, I know some Christians, and there are Christians out there who just want to make money and make money and make money. And so they work so, so much that they neglect their walk with God. They stop attending church, stop serving, stop spending time with God. Unfortunately, sadly, stop spending time with their family. Are you guys with me? Listen, a wise, hardworking person recognizes the need for rest. 
They know when it's time to work. They know when it's time to rest. And they can tell the difference between a strong work ethic and being a workaholic. Write this down in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. Psalm, the same writer of Proverbs, right? Ecclesiastes says, whoever loves money, say loves money, okay, loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. If you're safe, say amen. Listen now, listen now. Arrange your work schedule, and get this, arrange your work schedule around what's be, what, what best profits your family and your spiritual priorities. I'm going to say it again. Arrange your work schedule around what best profits your family and your spiritual priorities. Got it? It is foolish to be a slave to money. It's foolish to make money, make wealth an idol. And, you know, we can lose our money quickly. I mean, right? I mean, we've all experienced that. I mean, you make it, all of a sudden it's gone. When we die, we can't take it with us. You can't take it with you, Right? Many things matter more than money, and that's family. Family matters more than money. Relationships, your relationships matter more than money, right? It's more important than money. Wisdom is more important than money. Rather, right? I'd rather be wise and rich. Okay, it's a good thing if you're wise and rich, right? But you guys with me? But wisdom is more important than money. And above all, God. Say God. God is more important than money, more important than anything else. So, so don't make money an idol. Don't make it number one in your life, and don't allow money to keep you from the things that are really important in life. Can, can someone say amen? Verses 6 through 8, verse 6, Do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies. Verse 7, For he is the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. Your Bibles might render it like this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, I want to stop there because I gotta, we got to put this in, in context. There's always a context to the text, correct? It's talking about a man who is what? Stingy. It's talking about a man who is stingy. It's not talking about creating your own reality. Are you guys with me? And what the text is saying is that the stingy person is setting you up for something, right? Something in their heart, okay? Something, their heart, their thoughts, their intentions is not with you. They're betraying, they're betraying you. They're, they're betraying their true feelings. Uh, are, they're, they're, they're betraying what you're saying. Their heart is not right with you. He says, eat and drink. He says to you, but his heart is not with you. That's what he's saying, right? They're betraying their true feelings with their false words. Now notice the unpleasant consequences of this deception. Verse 8, you will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. Did you get that? In other words, the table of the miser will be such an unpleasant experience that the food you enjoyed will come back to bother you. The pleasant words spoken at the table, at the miser's table, will seem wasted. You, you wish you wouldn't have eaten anything with the miser, and the miser's wishing that you would go away. Okay? You would go away and leave him or her to their own food. So don't be deceived. Okay? Be, be wise when it comes to that. Are you guys with me? Do not be deceived. Number two, do not waste your words. Say that. 
Do not waste your words. Verse 9. Verse 9. Do not speak to a fool, for he will scorn the wisdom of your words. I'll read that again. Do not speak to a fool, for he will scorn the wisdom of your words. In other words, don't waste your time explaining things to the fool. He's a fool. Got it? He's a fool. Doesn't, doesn't believe in God. Doesn't believe in wisdom. Doesn't want wisdom. And so when you speak truth and wisdom to someone and you see that they have no, absolutely no interest in what you have to say, don't waste your time any further with them. That's what Solomon's saying. And some people will just not listen to reason. You notice that? In fact, this applies to sharing the gospel. Some people will foolishly resist the truth. They'll resist it. And I think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 6. Write that down, Matthew 7, 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not cast your pearls before pigs, swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Listen, sharing truth, sharing wisdom with someone who is dismissive and disinterested is like throwing pearls before a swine. Don't do it. Don't do it. So are you ready for the lesson? And this is very important. Here we go. Be discerning. Say that. Be discerning. And we believers got, listen now, we got to discern whether the person whom we are speaking to is interested in an answer or an argument. You got to be able to tell the difference. Do they really want an answer or do they just want to argue? And if they are just interested in an argument or not interested at all, don't waste your time. Don't, don't waste your time. Don't waste your breath. Just wipe the dust off your feet and move on. There's nothing wrong with that. Now you can continue to pray for them, but don't, don't get engaged in, engaged in any conversation because they're out, man. They don't want to listen. They don't want to change. And that's what Solomon's saying. Don't waste your words. Number three, here we go. Do not steal. Say that. Do not steal. Verses 10 through 11. Stay with me now. Solomon says, do not move an ancient boundary stone. Now, back in chapter 22, verse 28, we saw the same thing here. And this is a reference to when Joshua divided the promised land for the people of Israel. Right? And land was given to Israel by God and to steal it from the rightful owner to remove the boundary markers or to extend your own boundaries at the expense of someone else was to violate their blessings from God, and it was forbidden. You guys with me so far? In modern terms, we would say it like this. We are to never cheat or compromise any business dealings in a sneaky or subtle way, friends, which would defraud another person of their property. Got it? Then he says, or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. Did you get that? In other words, even worse than cheating someone out of property is to defraud someone already disadvantaged. Are you with me? Even worse than that, friends, such as those who have no father, the fatherless who's lost a father. And it was evil to enter the fields of the fatherless and take some of the harvest from those who had trouble protecting it. Now look at verse 11 with me because this is really important. For their defender, your Bibles might render it as redeemer, say redeemer, which is a reference to God, Goel, are you guys with me? Is strong. He, God, will take up their, what, case against you. So the orphan and all who are vulnerable have a special protector. And who is it? It's God. It's right there, it's God. And he has vowed to plead their case against all who would come to take what they have. 
God will deal, say God will deal, with those who mistreat the less fortunate, disadvantaged. You guys with me? Number four, do not neglect wisdom. Say that. Do not neglect wisdom. Do not neglect wisdom. Look at verse 12 with me. Someone says, apply your heart to instruction. Say instruction. Say apply. Okay. And your ears, say ears, to words of knowledge. Now, if you're safe, say amen. The, the reception of wisdom isn't passive. It's active. Got it? I'm going to say it again. The reception of wisdom isn't passive. It's active. It's received with a heart that truly applies, say applies, wisdom and instruction. Now remember this, and we should know this. Wisdom is putting knowledge into what? Practice. Got it? It's the capacity to act correctly based on knowledge. Information, right, should turn into application. Information without application is hallucination. Right? Now, it, wisdom, it requires intentional choices. Got it? Intentional choices. A person can know what is right, but the heart must apply, apply that knowledge to real-life situations. Got it? Listen, when the heart and the ears work together, that's what Psalm is saying. When the, when the heart and the ears work together to receive wisdom, much is gained. Got it? So it's not just listening to all what you're getting, but putting it to practice. Right? And I hope that when, when you're listening here at church or at a Bible study or maybe you're listening to some message on, online or something like that, that whatever you hear, that you apply it to your life. That's wisdom. Amen? Number five, do not withhold. Your answer is right there in the outline. We made a mistake there. Correction. Say correction. It's right there. Do not withhold correction. And I want to say this. We need to do everything we can to gain wisdom for ourselves, right, adults, and our children. And for our children. Verses 13 through 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save him from death. Your Bibles might say shoal or, or hell. Now, now I want to say this. This in no way is suggesting that we physically abuse our children. You guys got it? Okay. And what this proverb is speaking to is the passive parent, listen now, the passive parent who does not want to correct, who does not want to discipline their children for the fear that their children won't like them. Huh. You know what that does? It only trains a child to expect a world without consequences. You guys with me? Listen, parents, children, our children, children, period, need discipline. They need instruction. They need a correction. They need boundaries. They need rules. They need rules. And sadly, some parents, well, I just don't want to do that because I don't want them to not like me. I want them to be my friend. Shoot. Come on. They need, your, they need to be, have a parent who cares for them, right? Now, just real quick, the word show there. Uh, has the idea of the grave, and sometimes it's used in the sense of physical death, and other times it's used in the sense of eternal death, so either or both may be in view here, right? Appropriate loving discipline, what that does, trains a child to avoid evil. And what it does, it's, it's sparing them from greater suffering later on in life. Isn't it? Listen, godly parenting 
Listen now, requires patience, consistency, consistency, and love, as well as firmness and reasonable discipline. Amen? God has called us parents to discipline, correct, lovingly correct and discipline our children. They may not like it, okay, but it's called delayed gratification. Later on, they'll say thank you. Got it? Verses 15 and 16, if you're still with me, say amen. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad. Verse 16, my, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. I love that. Verses, uh, chapter 15, excuse me, chapter 15, verse 20, chapter 15 of Proverbs, verse 20. Remember this? A wise son makes a father glad. A father, a mother rejoices. It makes, this is now, their heart filled with gladness when their children live wisely. When they speak with wisdom and speak what is right. Isn't that true, parents? When our children are living wisely, speaking wisely, doing the right things, man, that brings so much joy to our hearts. Right? So much joy. Say, do not be deceived. Say, do not waste your words. Say, do not steal. Say, do not neglect wisdom. Say, do not withhold correction. And number six, do not envy the ungodly. You guys with me? Do not envy the ungodly. Verses 17 and 18. Let's look at verse 17 first. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. I'm going to read that again. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous. Say zealous. For, for what? For the fear of the Lord. And I, and I said this many times in this series, it sure does seem like the ungodly are getting over. Right? It does, right? Like they're getting ahead, like everything they touch turns to gold. Like they have no problems, and like they get all the breaks, and we don't. And how many times, let's be honest, that we said to ourselves, I'm serving God, I pray, I read His Word, I'm walking in righteousness, and it seems like my life is filled with trial after trial and problem after problem. It just doesn't seem fair, God. Huh? It seems that sin is unpunished and righteousness is unrewarded. It does seem like that sometimes. Right? Well, in the Old Testament, <laughs> this guy by the name of Asaph felt the same way. Felt the same way. And I want you to write this down. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And I want you to follow me because he felt the same way. Like, like the ungodly were getting over. And he says this. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied, envied, the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. That's what he says about them. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their, from their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possessions of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? 
Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings me punishment. If I had spoke out like that, I would have, be, I would have betrayed your children. This is what he says in verse 16 of 73. When I try to understand all this, trying to figure it out, all this, it troubled me deeply till, verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery, slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept by, away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Wow. Whom, I have, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, God is my strength. The strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Back to the text. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. If you're saved, say amen. Instead of being envious of the ungodly, be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Have an eternal perspective and an active recognition rooted in God's greatness, God's majesty, and God's sovereignty. Focus on that. Amen? God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Look at verse 18. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Let's read it all together. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you. Someone say amen, and your hope will not be cut off. In other words, this life is not all that there is. Amen? We have an enduring hope. Our future is bright. We have an inheritance in heaven that is secure and kept by God's power, the hope of eternal life. That's our hope. The ungodly have no hope. And that's our hope. So the next time we feel like the world's getting over and like, man, what's going on, God? It's unfair. Okay, don't envy them. And understand this, that we have a future hope. And only this, that God is the strength of my heart and the portion, my portion forever. Focus on that. Amen? Number seven, do not walk on the wrong path. Say that. On the wrong path. Now, now listen, life's choices are often described as walking the path, right? In fact, Proverbs talks a lot about walking on paths, right? And those who follow God's will, listen now, can avoid pitfalls, avoid danger, and avoid becoming lost. Now look at verses 19 through 21. And these verses admonish the youth against excess in eating and drinking. Psalm says, listen, my son, and be wise and keep. In other words, set your heart on the right path. Verse 20, 
Do not join those. Did you get that? Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. In other words, the drunkard and the glutton are persons who have devoted themselves to their appetites. Appetites. So the wise counsel to the son and to the daughter is that they should not mix with those who overindulge in alcohol or food because the drunkard and the glutton have a bad future. Their urges, listen now, push them towards personal disaster. Listen, one way to avoid being tempted by sinfulness is to avoid those who persist in it. Right? Use wisdom. Hey, that's not good. I should hang out with him. I shouldn't be involved with him and just walk away. And that's Solomon's advice. Be wise. Do not mix with those who overindulge in alcohol and food. It's good advice, isn't it? Verses 22 to 25. Verse 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And I want to tell you, friends, listen now, there must be a a deliberate effort to listen to your parents. Right? Their wisdom, your parents' wisdom, will keep you from the wrong path and keep you on the right path. They love you. Everything they tell you is for your own good, not to hurt you, but to help you. Listen, listen to their wisdom. And since they gave you life, since your mom and your dad, your mom gave you birth, or your dad, they gave you life, don't cast them aside or disrespect them when they get old. Ah, you're just old. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Let me tell you something now. That woman right there, my mom, Ramona, has shed so much wisdom into my life. And continues to shed wisdom into my life. And I respect her highly. Amen? So don't cast them aside or disrespect them when they become old. Verse 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom. In other words, discipline or instruction and understanding. That's insight as well. Truth, say truth. Wisdom, say wisdom. Instruction, say instruction. Understanding, see, understanding, are valuable for a lifetime, right? They are worth any price, okay? Got it? It's valuable what you have, wisdom, truth, understanding, insight. That's valuable, right? Valuable for a lifetime. Verse 24, the father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. Verse 25, may your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. Once again, once again, once again, Solomon emphasizes the joy felt by parents when their children act with wisdom and integrity. Right? It brings so much joy to us parents when our kids, man, are acting and walking and living with wisdom and integrity. Verses 26 through 28, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. Solomon has warned his son of sexual sin. Now before Solomon messed up, he was, he was on point, but he messed up down the line. Okay? Right? We know that, right? Okay? Verse 27, For a prostitute, unmarried person, is a deep pit, and a wayward wife, this is a married woman, is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. 
In other words, it's very, very, listen now, it's very easy to fall into the pit of the prostitute, he's saying, and the well of the adulteress, but very, very difficult to escape from it. You guys with me? And you know what comes to mind? What comes to mind as I was studying this, comes to mind is Samson. He broke the bonds of his, listen, he broke the bonds of his enemy, but he could not break the bonds of his own lust. You guys ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Sexual intimacy is intended for marriage. Intended for marriage in no other place. Marriage only, okay? Marriage only, no other place. In fact, God's word is very clear. It's between a man and a woman. It's God, God designed it. God defined it. God declared it. Okay, this is what God says. Amen? And I want to say this. Hanky-panky outside of marriage, yeah, violates God's word. Well, we're in love. Hanky-panky outside of God's marriage violates his word. But I love him. We're just so hanky-panky outside of marriage violates God's word. And I know a lot of churches don't want to say that, but we're going to say it. Amen? Bottom line, sexual intimacy is intended for marriage. Marriage. Got it? Number eight, here we go. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. Back in chapter 20, verse 1, you guys might remember this. Solomon says that wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. In other words, if you're intoxicated, you don't act wisely. Right? Now, I've also said this when we studied chapter 20, that there are many references to wine, many references to wine, strong drink, and drunkenness throughout the Bible. However, there is no binding rule, thou shalt not drink. Okay? Scripture doesn't forbid the drinking of alcohol, but, but, say but. It's a big but there, okay? But it clearly identifies drunkenness as a sin. It's a sin to be drunk. Christians, it's a sin to be drunk. You guys with me? Now, for the record, I said this before, I don't drink. It's my personal conviction. And if, if you don't have that personal conviction, that's, that's fine. That's, that's your prerogative. But I have a personal conviction. I do not drink. Now, Solomon, now what he does now, he now turns his attention to the sin of drunkenness. And by the way, the remaining verses of this chapter are the Bible's most vivid description of the consequences of alcohol abuse. Okay? You guys with me? Okay, here we go. Here we go, verses 29 through 32. Stay with me now. Woe. Oh, excuse me. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Here we go. Those who linger over wine, who go to what? Sample bowls of mixed wine. Verse 31, do not gaze at wine when it is red. In other words, this is a picture of those who abuse alcohol who are always looking for a stronger drink. Okay? And by the way, many biblical references to sin and temptation began with someone seeing something. Got it? When it sparkles in the cup, in other words, when it's pleasing to the eye, it looks good. When it goes down smoothly, in the end, say in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. In other words, the abuse, the abuse, abuse of alcohol will bite, right, then sting. And then once that happens, 
Once that happens, look and notice what happens. Verses 33 to 35. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You hallucinate. You ever see someone drunk? Huh? Hallucinate. Right? Right? Okay. Verse 34, you will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. In other words, the drunkard staggers and struggles to control their body. How, how many times have we seen that? Huh? Right? Verse 35, <laughs> listen, they hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find, ay, 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 another drink? Really. And sadly, the drunkard's thoughts are not on his pain, but on the next drink. How foolish is that? You guys with me? And you see, he supposes that alcohol will cure his problems, when really it's alcohol that causes all his problems. You guys with me? So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Get help. Get help. I know Christians who struggle with alcoholism. I know non-Christians who struggle with alcoholism. And if you struggle with alcoholism, get help. Humble yourself and get help. Insensitivity, lack of awareness. Listen now. Lack of inhibition and blurred senses are why alcohol factors into so many accidents, acts of violence and life-altering mistakes. And if you're struggling with alcoholism, get help. Come talk to me. I'll do my best to get you help. But abusing alcohol does no one any good. No one any good. So I would ask you that if that's you, or you know someone that is abusing alcohol, that you would help them to get Amen? Say, do not be deceived. Say, do not waste your words. Say, do not steal. Say, do not neglect wisdom. Do not withhold correction. Do not envy the ungodly. Do not walk on the wrong path. Do not get drunk. The do not warnings of the book of Proverbs. Amen? Let's praise God. He's worthy.